Hey, this is Andy Lucas, pastor of Emmaus Road Church in Fort Collins, Colorado. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this message helps you grow in your walk with Christ. If you'd like to support this ministry, visit theroadfc.org and click the giving link. Uh, so I want to preach from the Emmaus Road story. I want to read uh, Luke chapter 24, 1 through 35. Uh, it's a pretty lengthy passage, but want to uh, look at it uh, in its entirety because I really think there's some details in here that we want to be able to catch. Uh, so Luke chapter 24, 1 through 35, uh, reading from the NRSV says this, But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they came to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you that while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified, and on the third day rise again? Then they remembered his words, and returning from the tomb, they told all this to the eleven and to the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, mother uh, Mary, the mother of James, and the other women uh, with them who told this to the, to the apostles. Uh, but these words seemed to them as an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter got up and ran to the tomb, stooping and looked in. And he saw the linen cloths by themselves, and then he went home amazed at what had happened. Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking there about all the things that they had ha- that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing, Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. As he said to them, what are you discussing with each other while you walk along? And they stood there looking sad. Then one of them, who was named Cleopas, answered him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place in these days? He asked them, what things? And they replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all of the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But he had hoped that this was the we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women in our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Now some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found that it was just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are and slow of heart to believe all the, to believe all the prophets that had declared, what they have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all of the scriptures. And as they came to the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he was going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening and the day is nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. And when he was at the table with them, he took bread blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, 
Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered there. And they were saying, The Lord has risen, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road, and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of bread. This is the word of God from the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now this story of two disciples who encountered Jesus walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus on Easter evening has long captured my own imagination. And one of the parts that has so captured my imagination is that these two disciples, as they traveled together and as they walked together, were wrestling together with the meaning of the events that had taken place in Jerusalem over the past three days. And I want you to put our, put ourselves in their shoes for a moment. They had just spent several months, if not years, listening to the teachings of Jesus, amazed at the miracles that had taken place, and had become convinced that he was, in fact, the long-awaited Messiah. He was going to be the one to free them from Roman occupation, to restore them back to their land, their home, and their life. But in one, even one week ago, Jesus had entered into the city with shouts of Hosanna, and now they found Jesus has died, crucified by the state. Watching all of this take place was utterly disorienting, and it put them at dis-ease. Now, their journey away from Jerusalem is really symbolic of where they're at emotionally and spiritually as they try to make sense of the new world in which they find themselves. Remember, Jerusalem had been the center of life, faith, and culture for them for a long time. It felt like home. But now, their questions, the changing world, the circumstances around them left them feeling disoriented and the place that once felt like home is no longer hospitable. And so Jerusalem was this place of certainty. It was a place where religious practice was clear. Jerusalem stood for things that would for the things that would never change, right? It was a place where you always knew what to expect. Where there, where there was, where um, there was clear order, there was confidence in the way that things had always been, and confidence that things would always be that way. And then now they find themselves with all of that uprooted. And so their journey away from Jerusalem. I want you to kind of see this and look at this through the eyes of metaphor. Their journey away from Jerusalem or into Emmaus, in many ways, is a journey away from those same things. Their lives had been utterly turned upside down in just the matter of a couple days. And so in many ways, as they're walking away from Jerusalem, they're also walking away from certainty, clarity, order, knowing what to expect, knowing how the world was supposed to be. And they were walking now with feelings of disappointment, confusion, doubt, even fear. They were walking away 
from what they from the hope that they once had. Verse 21, we had hoped that he was going to be the one to redeem Israel. And from their perspective, you can't redeem a nation when you are dead, right? And so it's like their hopes are dashed. They were walking away from the hope that they once had. If you are anything like me, this metaphor of kind of walking away from certainty and walking away from what seemed from like the the normal that you were so used to, that sense of walking away from that feels very familiar, especially now in the midst of, of a global health crisis. I've had these moments where I step back, I look at the scale of what's going on in our world, and I experience a whole range of emotion. Uh, I go from being surprised to, because I thought, you know, certainly with all of our technology and all the resources available, uh, this would never happen, right? That, that pandemics were something that happened in the past, and yet now we find ourselves, it's happening now. So I go from surprise to sadness where I mourn all the things and in, in the people that have been lost from the simple pleasures of life, things that we've, you and I have taken for granted that we now can no longer participate in, at least for a season, to all the way to the weight of those who are grieving the death of ones that they've loved. So I go from surprise to sadness to grief to kind of resolute and confident hope. And I, and I, I kind of go between all of these things uh, in any given day, often in any given hour. And so this metaphor of like walking away from that which was used to be so sure, I find a lot of resonance with, and I wonder if you might as well. Having our own lives turned upside down in just a matter of days feels a lot like walking away from Jerusalem. In fact, I, I wonder if on this Easter morning we can identify more with these two disciples on the road to Emmaus than with Peter who ran to the tomb and found only linen laying there, or the women who were visited by angels. Well, during their journey away from Jerusalem, they are joined by Jesus. And they don't recognize him until later on in the story, but Jesus joins them in their disorientation. And I want you to hear that. I don't want to skip over that. I don't want to gloss over that. Um, hear this. In their journey away from certainty, in their journey away from the religious center of their lives, in their journey away from comfort, they are joined by the resurrected Christ. Which is to say that as they wrestled with how to make sense of all that had taken place over the past few days, uh, they are encountered uh, by Jesus. They have an encounter with Jesus in which Jesus speaks to them about the hope of resurrection. And what they find is that their hearts are being opened and they are learning to see in new ways, even though they hadn't yet fully captured what was being said. Jesus begins to reveal things to them about his own self before they even know that it's him. They don't even know for sure that it's Jesus yet. And yet Jesus is there encouraging them, offering words of hope, 
revealing things about his own self to them so that they find that their own hearts are being warmed, that their own hearts are being opened up to new possibilities and new life. Well, when they arrive then in, in Emmaus, and they invite their fellow traveler to join them for dinner, and then at the dinner table, this mystery traveler took bread, blessed it, broke it, and then gave it to them. What the, what the gospel author is trying to do is, is actually rather obvious, right? I mean, he's trying to almost slap us in the face with this imagery. He took bread, blessed it, broke it, and gave it to them. He took bread, he blessed it, he broke it, he gave it. These familiar actions immediately draw the minds of those two disciples back to just four days earlier, the previous Thursday, when Jesus when they were all sitting at a meal together and Jesus explained that his body would be given for them and for the forgiveness of sins. And now they recognize through this act of taking bread, blessing it, breaking it, and giving it, these two disciples recognize that it has been the resurrected Jesus that has been with them all along. And then just as quickly as he appeared, he was gone. Here's part of what I want us to see this morning on this Easter Sunday, this unique and different Easter Sunday. That in the midst of uncertainty and during a journey away from what they used to be so certain of, in the middle of this new an uncertain world, Jesus met with disciples and offered himself. Do you hear that this morning? That in, in a new and unfamiliar world, Jesus meets these disciples in the midst of their disorientation and he offers himself. This morning, the resurrected and universal Christ offers the same to us today. In the midst of our own uncertainties, in the midst of a world that looks totally different, in the midst of our own fears, our own doubts, and even in the midst of our cautious confidence, Jesus meets us and offers to us himself. The God that we serve this Easter Sunday is the God of life who refuses to allow death to have the last word. He is the God who makes all things new. And my prayer for us on this Easter Sunday morning and for the entirety of this Easter season is that we would experience newness in the midst of like the disruption may we also experience a sense of new life. May we experience a sense of Jesus's resurrection presence with us. And so I pray and I hope that you are seeing and experiencing signs of resurrection this Easter. Now, the scriptures say that in verse 33, that very same hour, they got up and they returned to Jerusalem. 
Now remember, they're leaving Jerusalem because of uncertainty, of questions, of circumstances, of they're trying to make sense of this new world in which they find themselves and this center of religious life, this thing, this immovable force uh, known as the religious system in Jerusalem has now been uprooted with rumors of resurrection. They, uh, they leave that place, but upon an encounter with the resurrected Christ, they return to Jerusalem. <laughs> they return to the place that they had just left a few hours earlier. But here's what I want us to see. They do not return in the same way or as the same people. They do not return in the same way, and they do not return as the same people. So they return to Jerusalem, but they don't go back to Jerusalem to return back to the same old things. Now they are returning to Jerusalem with a sense of wonder instead of just order. They're returning to Jerusalem with a sense of awe instead of certainty, with a sense of presence instead of the rules of religion. Everything had changed for them because of their encounter with the living Christ in the midst of their disorientation. And so they are returning, but they are not returning in the same way. What beautiful news that is for us to go back to Jerusalem, but not in the same way and not even searching for the same things. But an encounter with the living Christ has utterly changed them. Well, for Easter this year, we're doing a series called The Uprising. And the truth is, is that these two disciples on the road to Emmaus were among the first to experience this Jesus-centered uprising. But it, it's not an uprising just in the sense that Jesus had risen. But rather, it's an uprising in the sense that new things and new possibilities are rising up. An uprising was typically seen as, um, or an uprising usually refers to a violent revolution against oppressive leaders and regimes. Um, and so what Jesus did, so an uprising is kind of this way to confront oppressive powers. But the only way that the world knew, that history knew how to come against oppressive powers with, was with violence. And of course, that's what everyone was expecting Jesus to do. But again, what we find in the Easter story, what we find in the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ is that he, in fact, confronts oppressive empire. He confronts oppressive power. He does all the things necessary for freedom, but he does it in a brand new way. And so, yes, this is, in fact, an uprising. Make no mistake about that. But it's a totally different kind of uprising. This is an uprising. The Jesus-centered uprising confronts oppression, but it does so in a different way. It's an uprising of hope, rather than of hate. It's an uprising of love instead of uh, hostility and death. It, it, it's an uprising of life and peace. It's an uprising of open hands instead of clenched fists. It's a journey to something new that is brought about in a new way. The disciples return to Jerusalem, 
but they return in a new way and as new people because of their encounter with the resurrected Christ. I suppose my prayer for us is that we would return to Jerusalem, but not in the same way, not looking for the same things, and not returning even as the same people, but rather returning as brand new people with new awareness, having an encounter with the living Christ. I have to be honest with you, church. I really struggled with how do you preach resurrection in the midst of a global pandemic? They didn't go over that in seminary. <laughs> and so as I was thinking about it, I, I really did not, I did not want to uh, preach resurrection in a way that ignores the world around us. I didn't want to preach resurrection in a way that seems cliche. Uh, I didn't want to preach it in a way that felt like pretending that everything is just fine. And so this story for me created this, this metaphor of understanding of our own lives, our own situation that provided, I think, a, such a good framework um, for how we can live faithfully in this time and how we can be resurrection people, even in the midst of global crisis. And the first is, is to recognize that even in the midst of disorientation, the risen Christ is present with us, speaking words of resurrection and hope. Um, it is no small thing that in the midst of walking away from everything that they once knew, Christ joins them in that journey. Let me say this to us. The presence of Christ is not dependent upon our certainty or our measure of hope. Christ joins us in our journey even as we walk away. I, I want to say that again to make sure you get it. The presence of Christ in our lives is not dependent upon our, our certainty or our measure of, or the measure of our hope. That Christ joins us in our journey even in the moments when we're walking away, or even in the moments of our uncertainty or disorientation. And so what that means is that we can be confident in the presence of Christ that is with us during this time. And so whenever, church, whenever you hear of people who are caring for one another, who are helping each other, who are putting themselves in harm's way to care for the sick. In all of these ways and a thousand others, these are Emmaus Road moments where the resurrected and universal Christ is present. And so what I'm hoping and praying is that one day we will in fact, as a global community, be able to return to Jerusalem to get back to normal. But I also hope that we as a global community, as a church, capital C Church, as Emmaus Road Church, I also hope that we will return in a new way, as new people who have encountered Christ in the midst of disorientation and uncertainty. 
You see, my hope is that as a church, as a nation, as a global community, we won't just return to the same old order of things, but that we will return back to the rhythms of life with a sense of togetherness rather than competition. With a sense of us rather than us and them. That we would return to Jerusalem with awe at the gift of life instead of mundaneness. That we would return with humility instead of arrogance. For when we embody these things, we honor the God of life and of resurrection. And so... Easter 2020, as we worship in our living rooms, as there's snow on the ground and it's below freezing, (laughs) on Easter 2020, the anomaly that is Easter 2020, I pray that we would know the presence of the living Christ and be confident that he is the God of life who has defeated death through resurrection and walks with us into our with us in our uncertainty in our disorientation so that we can return to Jerusalem as transformed people amen amen